If you take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. After the Kings and Chronicles, there's Ezra, then Nehemiah. And we're going to be in chapter 1 this morning, and we'll read a few verses. And this morning, I want to preach a, a message entitled, From Burden to Building. From Burdened to Building. And uh, this will be uh, part one of, uh, of a couple sermons here in the book of Nehemiah. And uh, this morning, I want to focus on this man, Nehemiah. So we know our theme for the year uh, is redeeming the time. And as believers, we need to redeem the time. Pastor uh, spoke a great message about that last week. And you know what? Even coming out of 2020 and where we were, even more so now, we need to redeem the time we have. We need to reclaim the time that we have. And we need to do some rebuilding in our life and do some repairing in our life. And you know what? In the days that we live in, it's so easy for us to sit around and you know, read the times and calculate when the Lord's going to return. But you know what? That's not our job as believers. Our job as believers is not to sit around and to try to uh, read the political climate and look at what's going around the world and things like that. Our job as believers is to occupy our time with serving the Lord and doing his work until he returns or until he calls us home. We are to redeem the time. And this man, Nehemiah, that we're going to look at this morning was a man who knew how to redeem the time. Uh, we'll look at it a bit this morning and the, the next time we're, we, we visit this uh, book. But God had placed a burden on Nehemiah's heart. And Nehemiah, he's going to see this work through. And it didn't matter that if before him there was others who failed or others who opposed it or who people are people who will oppose it or it doesn't matter that time had passed before he attempted to do this nehemiah was going to redeem the time that god had given him so this morning i'm going to look at uh, uh three different simple points here in nehemiah's life but first we're going to be reading nehemiah chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 the words of nehemiah the son of hashaliah and it came to pass in the month of Shishlu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. And let's pray this morning as we begin. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for the truth that we have. And Lord, uh, we're thankful for the men that you use to fulfill your work, and that you continue to use us today. And Lord, I pray as we consider this man, Nehemiah, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts and that we learn how he redeemed his time to serve you and to fulfill your work in his life. And I pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So the first thing I want you to notice this morning is his position. His position. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. 
And this position as cupbearer, that was more than uh, being a butler. You know, oftentimes we picture a cupbearer, we picture someone who is a butler who's serving this man. But rather, in those days, the position of a cupbearer, this was a high-ranking job. You know, it was a privilege to serve as the king's cupbearer. You know, he would... His main duty was to test the king's wine to make sure that it wasn't poison, that no one had tampered what was being given to him. But with that position, he was always within standing distance of the king. So for someone to have this position that Nehemiah had, to stand in such a prominent position and to be in the public, public eye constantly with the king, you know, this person needed to have certain credentials. He would need to be knowledgeable. He would need to be well-educated. He would need to have wisdom. And he would need to be handsome in looks as well. That was something that was important in those days. A prime example of this is in Daniel uh, 1 verse 4 when it speaks about uh, the Jewish children who were uh, brought into captivity. This is the requirements that they had. The children in whom was no blemish, but well-favor and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace. So they were educated people. They were fair people. They had no blemish. They were skillful in all wisdom. These were the same kind of things that would have been required of Nehemiah. So it was a great responsibility that he had because he would need to carry himself in a certain way to be in the king's position or with the king in that position constantly. He would need to be able to uh, give the king advice. He was part of his inner council uh, as such. And so the place that Nehemiah had, he was actually in a very influential position, being able to communicate uh, constantly with the king on such a personal level. But at this time in history, uh, many of the Jewish remnant had returned to their home. They had returned back to Jerusalem and the temple had been rebuilt now for about a hundred years. And you know what? Nehemiah, he could have returned home, but he chose to remain in his position. You know, he had a great life. He had a great position of high honor. But despite his position, despite his honor, it didn't stop Nehemiah from caring for his people and home. You know, he was away from home. He was away from his people. He was serving in the king's palace but he still remembered them. He didn't forget about them. He wasn't consumed in his own position. He wasn't so caught up in his own life that he turned from the Lord either or that he forgot his own people. But rather, there was a burden that the Lord had placed on Nehemiah's heart. You know, the Lord is in control and he places his people where he needs them to be to fulfill his work and his will. And sometimes we forget that our life is not our own. Sometimes we forget that, you know what, maybe the Lord has placed me in this position for a reason. The Lord has placed me in this area for a reason. God has put me in this place in my life at this time for a reason. And this was true in Nehemiah's life. Maybe God has us where we are today because he needs us there to fulfill his purpose. Or maybe he's moving us somewhere else because he needs us there it might not be where we want to be personally, but is it God's purpose for us to be where you are today or where he's leading you? You know, we can look at example after example in the word of God, uh, how God placed people into certain positions because he needed them for a certain time. 
you know, we think about Joseph. God placed Joseph into the hand of merchants who would sell him to slavery. You know, did Joseph choose, would that have been his choice to do that, go there? Probably not. But God put him there for a purpose. You know, Esther was placed in her position for such a time as this, as the book of, of Esther says. Daniel was taken into cap- captivity and you know, that's not what you choose to be, but we see that he climbed through the ranks in that government and God used him in a great way. God always puts his people in the right, right place at the right time. So although Nehemiah, he's in this position and such, he could have returned home, but he remained where he knew that God wanted him to be. So we see uh, his position, but secondly, I want you to notice this morning his people. His people. So in Nehemiah 1.1, as we had already read, we come to this basically at a turning point in Nehemiah's life. This is where he starts the book off. And immediately, this cupbearer of the king in this great position, we see his caring heart. We see his caring heart. In verse number 2, we see his brother is returning from a trip to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah, he isn't talking to his brother about himself He isn't talking about his position. He's not talking about the king and how close he is to him, how well he knows him. Nehemiah asks about his people. He asks about the Jews, those who have left. How are they doing? How is Jerusalem doing? He wants to know. And look at Nehemiah 1 verse 3. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. There were his people, the remnant that were left of the, the captivity, the verse says. They're struggling to survive. You know, the temple had been rebuilt at that point. And Nehemiah's thinking, surely the wall's going to be repaired by now. Surely they're going to be doing great. They've been there for so many years now. Nehemiah cared enough to ask about his people, but look at his response. Nehemiah 1 verse 4, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You know, how heavy were these words that Nehemiah heard? This report that he asked for wasn't what he was hoping for. And Nehemiah is moved by what he hears. And Nehemiah wept and mourned for certain days. You know, this, this isn't talking about a tear rolling down Nehemiah's cheek. It says that he wept. This, this word wept, this is the idea of, of loud wailing, actual mild convulsions, not being able to control your body. I don't know if you've ever heard someone wail before, maybe in a very emotional time in someone's life, maybe the mourning the loss of someone very close. But it's very different than shedding a few tears. Nehemiah mourned for days, and this moment changed his life. This is where the book begins. Nehemiah is speaking about this is the turning point where everything changed for him. But this response of Nehemiah reveals a lot about his heart. It shows who he was as a person. It shows his character. And we see that he was truly saddened for his people. He was truly saddened for the Lord's people. He had a caring heart. He had a heart that cared to ask about his people, to be concerned about what's going on, 
rather than thinking about himself and being consumed with his own position and where he's going and maybe where he can go, he's thinking, how are my people? How is Jerusalem? How are things going there? Are they doing well? And he was concerned. And when he had heard the, the, the position that they were in, we see that his heart, that he was truly saddened for the Lord's people. So we see his position, his people. And lastly, this morning, I want you to notice his prayer. I want you to notice his prayer. So in this book, another thing that is revealing about Nehemiah's character is his prayer life. You know, it reveals the great faith that Nehemiah had placed in the Lord. And we can see clearly throughout the book that prayer is part of Nehemiah's life. Throughout the book of Nehemiah, we see him constantly praying. Uh, we won't look at it this morning, but as we get into chapter 2, we look at Nehemiah's life, and as he stands before the king and things like that, he just, it's in him to pray without ceasing. He's constantly in prayer before the Lord. And it reveals the faith that Nehemiah placed in the Lord. Look at verse number 5. And said, I, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. So I want you to notice a few things that is revealed in his prayers. First of all, I want you to notice his view of God. Nehemiah's view of God. You know, who was God to Nehemiah? You know, he wasn't just as the other gods, the small g gods who were nothing but a man-made object of material. That's what he would have experienced. That's what he would have been around in that, in that time and where he was. But this wasn't Nehemiah's view of God. He had a true view of God. He was serving the one and only living God. Nehemiah had respect for God. You know, when he prayed to him, he wasn't the big guy or the man upstairs. No, to Nehemiah, he was the only true and living God, the God of Israel, the God of his people, the God of heaven to be honored and revered. When it says uh, in verse number uh, verse number uh, 5, the great and terrible God, uh, when he begins his uh, prayer as, as it goes on to the end of the chapter, he's speaking of how great God is, how honored he needs to be, how revered he needs to be. You know, saying the man upstairs shows absolutely no respect for who God is, and it shows no honor or reverence to the God of heaven or the creator of this universe. Nehemiah knew who God was. It, his prayer revealed his view of God. Nehemiah, he ascribed praise to God. You know, in Matthew 6, 9, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, this is what Jesus says. He says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let me ask you today, what do our prayers reveal about our view of God? You know, are we praying to our Father in heaven, uh, who is great and terrible, to be honored and respected? Are we praying to the only true God who is worthy of our praise? Are we just speaking to, to someone that we, like we're looking down upon someone, or talking to the big guy or the man upstairs? That shows no respect. It shows no honor to God. And it shows your view that you really don't have a view of who God is. Or let me ask you, how often do we approach the throne without a word of praise? 
You know, it's so easy for us to just run to God and to ask and ask and ask. But how often do we go to God just with a word of praise, praising who he is, going to him and realizing you are my God, you are my Savior, you are my Creator, you are the God of heaven, and we go to him in praise. And this is how Nehemiah, he starts his prayer off and prays. O Lord, a God of heaven, that great and terrible God that keepeth the covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. You know, in the New Testament, it says we are to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, when we go to the throne, we, we don't come boldly in, in who we are. We come boldly because of who God is. And we go to him revering him and honoring and praising God for who he is. And this is how Nehemiah approached the throne, honoring the God, honoring God and praising him. He came boldly to him because of who God was. So we see his view of God, but I want you to notice we see his view of scripture is revealed in his prayer as well. His view of scripture is revealed. In this prayer that Nehemiah is, is praying here in verses 5 down, uh, onward, uh, we see that he's pouring out before God, and we see his view of Scripture being revealed throughout. You know, in much of his prayer, we see Nehemiah, he's confessing the sins of, of uh, his people to God. And you know what? He's not holding anything back. He doesn't just say it in passing. He pours it all out before God. He lays everything before God, and he's not trying to to dull it down or to try to paint a prettier picture or to try to justify the sin before God. No, he lays it out before God. You know, he states the children of Israel uh, in in these verses. um, In verse number number 6 and verse number 7, he speaks about um, the children of Israel, how they have sinned. And you know what? He didn't stop there. He just, just, just didn't say... Israel, he said, no, the children of Israel. And then he says, both I and my father's house. So he doesn't try to justify himself or his family either. He says, look, my people, we have sinned. I have sinned. My family has sinned and has dealt corruptly against thee. And then he goes on to say, nor kept the commandments, nor statutes, nor judgments. And this is, once again, this is speaking of scripture. He's referring back to Deuteronomy uh, 6 verse 1, it says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. So as I mentioned throughout these, this prayer, we're going to see constantly uh, little things that he's referring to from Scripture because he believes in the Word of God. So here he is, he's confessing all these sins, and he's not holding anything back. He's not leaving himself out of the picture. And based upon... God's word, Nehemiah understands that the Lord is just in his chastisement. The Lord is just in his punishment to his children. Nehemiah 1 verse 8, it says, Remember, I beseech ye the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. So he's saying, Lord, I know we've sinned. I know we've turned away from you. And I know what your word says. I know it says, if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. And that's exactly what happened to these people. They're taken into captivity. They're scattered all abroad. So he knew that God was just in his punishment. 
But Nehemiah, he also knew that God promised forgiveness if his people would repent and turn back to him. In Nehemiah 1 verse 9, it says, But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. So Nehemiah, based once again upon the word of God, based on his view of scripture, he's praying to God and he's confessing his sins and the the sins of uh, of, uh, his people. And he's recognizing God's uh, uh, punishment for that sin. But once again, he is saying, but God, this is what you've promised in your word. And Nehemiah is constantly referring to the scripture from Leviticus and Deuteronomy throughout his prayers. He knew God's word. He knew what it says. He was well read in it. He was well learned in the scripture. And he believed God's word. Not only did he know it, he believed God's word. And he had faith that God would keep his promises. So it's one thing to know God's word, but he believed it and said, Look, God, I know your promises. And he had faith that God would keep his promises. So let me ask you today, do you know God's word? Do you know what God's word says? And when you look at your life, where it is in this very moment, do you understand where, you, where your life is today based on scriptures? You know, whatever is happening in your life, that it is just, and that is to bring glory to God, no matter what you're going through in your life. You know, do you believe God's word and the promises it contains? Does your prayer life reveal that? When you pray to God, Is it revealing what you know about the scripture and what God has promised to us? Nehemiah, he had faith that God would keep his promises. He knew the word of God and he trusted him. And Nehemiah in his prayer, he had confidence that God would forgive them and that God would take this burden that was placed on Nehemiah's heart and use him and put him to action to fulfill God's work. So as Uh, We're not going to get to it this morning, but as we go on through chapter 2, we see that Nehemiah, he has this great burden that he needs to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. But he knew that they had to get things right. He had to make sure that things were right with God. And he knew that God had placed this burden there and that God could use him. And he had confidence that said, You know what, God, I know you've placed this burden here. I know there's this task at hand. I know there's need of this wall to be built around Jerusalem. But he took care of things. He he prayed and he asked God for forgiveness. But he also said, God, listen to your servant. Hear your servant. Bring servants as he is praying. And uh, as we'll look at uh, um, later in another uh, uh, sermon, as we get to chapter 2, as time passes on, we see that Nehemiah, he's thinking on this. He's dwelling upon this, that burden that's been placed there. He's praying about this during these times, and we'll see that as we continue, as he continues to pray, God, this is the burden you've given me, and I know that you can work through this. So let me ask you this morning, where does God have you today? Where, where are you in life today? You know, Nehemiah, he was in a very specific position in his life. He was the Lord's cupbearer for a very specific reason. You know, we wonder, what, Nehemiah, why didn't he go back to his people? If he was so burdened 
for his people. If he cared so much about his people and Jerusalem and what was happening, why did he why did he stay and serve this king as his cupbearer? But God had him there for a specific reason. You know, people had tried to rebuild the walls already. When they were rebuilding the temple and they were doing uh, repair work in Jerusalem, they wanted to rebuild those walls. But the very same king who Nehemiah is serving was the same king who put a stop to the work. The work ceased. The, the repair of the walls, the very walls that Nehemiah is praying for, the king that he is serving stopped that work. The work ceased because the enemies of God were against Jerusalem. They were against what was happening. They, they, they didn't want them to be protected. They, they wanted to be able to, to go in and to, to pillage and to rob and to destroy. They didn't want to see God's people rebuild. So they convinced the king and said, look, this, this is not politically good for you. You're not going to get paid. You're not going to be able to toll them. You're not going to benefit if these people build a wall. And they had the king convinced. And he put a stop to the work. So in God's timing, he placed Nehemiah as the cupbearer. This godly man in one of the most influential positions to the king. Just as those people were able to convince the king, hey, look, you need to stop what's happening in Jerusalem. Well, now, here's Nehemiah, this Jew who loves his people, who loves Jerusalem, who loves the Lord, is serving as the cupbearer to the king and can speak to him. He knows the king on a personal level. And as we get to chapter 2, the king knows his emotion. The king knows who he is as a person, is able to read that, look, there's something weighing on Nehemiah's heart. But God had placed him there for a reason. And the same king who brought the work to a halt, we're going to see later on that God's going to use this king and God is going to, this king is going to allow the work to continue on the wall. So let me tell you today, maybe you're in a position today and you don't know why you're saying, why am I here? Why am I at this job? Why am I in this house? Why am I in in the city? Why am I in this circumstance? God has you there for a reason. Maybe you're in a position where God is saying, look, I know you might want to be over there, but I need you there because this person needs to hear the gospel. These people need the Lord. You need to share the gospel with these people. These neighbors need a gospel track. Whatever it is, whatever the work of God has, he has placed you in a position for a reason. And as believers, that is why we need to redeem the time. I love the theme for this year because it's so applicable to us. We need to redeem the time. And we're going to see that in Nehemiah's life as he redeems the time. He gets the work done and he, he, he goes on with God's work. Listen, God has us where we are today for a purpose. Are you redeeming the time? But let me ask you as well, maybe you're watching today and you don't know where your life is based upon the word of God. I asked that question or said that before. Nehemiah, he knew as he looked at his life, based upon the word of God, 
this is why we are where we are. This is why we're being punished today. This is why people got scattered. But he also knew, okay, if we turn back to God, he will forgive us. So maybe today you're watching, you say, Lord, I don't know why I have this life. I don't know why I'm here on earth. I don't know why the things are the way they are. But let me tell you, based upon the word of God, you can know what your life is before God. And let me share that with you quickly. First of all, you're a sinner, imperfect, before a perfect and holy God. And we can see that in Romans 3, verse 23. We're all sinners. We've all done wrong. Secondly, that sin, because we're sinners, requires a penalty. And the Word of God says, based upon the Word of God, says that this penalty is death. That's found in Romans 6, 23. And this death it's speaking of is an eternal separation from God, being punished in hell. So we're sinners, and our sin requires a penalty. But thirdly, God loves you so much that he took your death, your punishment of death upon him, and he died on the cross to take the penalty for your sins. So you're a sinner, your sin requires a penalty, but God paid the price for your sins. And just as I mentioned before at the beginning of this book, Nehemiah, he was at a turning place in his life where he says, look, I'm finding this stuff out and now my life has changed forever. So let me tell you this. Now, based upon the word of God, you know you're a sinner. You know your sin requires a penalty, but you also know that God paid the penalty for your your sins. You are now at a turning point in your life. Based upon the word of God, you need to make a position. Do you repent and turn to God, accepting his free gift of salvation? Romans 10, 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you can accept that free gift, or do you keep living your life your way, headed to a a Christless eternity in a place called hell? Maybe today you say, well, I don't know if that's what I want to do. You might try to put it off. The Bible says in James 4.14, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Listen, you don't know when your life will end. You don't know what time you have left. So we speak about redeeming the time. Listen, today if you are not saved and you don't know the Lord is your Savior, you need to redeem the time that you have left on this earth and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know, you can try to live a good life. You can try to do all the right things like maybe uh, people try to teach. But based upon the word of God, not what man says, that is not good enough. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're not saved by our works. The only salvation we have is through Jesus Christ. John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen, you may think that there are a lot of ways to God. A lot of ways to live your life and and to get to whatever paradise you have in eternity. 
But Jesus says he is the only way. You may think that there's other truth out there. You know, you may say, well, the word of God is good, but I believe this and I believe that, and I believe that everyone has the right to their own opinion. Well, the only truth is found in God's word. You may think today that you have life, but listen, you are only on a pathway to eternal death. You might have a short period of time, but as we read in James, our life is but a vapor, just like that vanisheth away. And after that life has faded away, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, we are going to face eternal death. But today, based upon the word of God, not my words or what I think or my opinions or what I think is my own truth, based upon the truth of the word of God, I hope you choose Jesus Christ. Call upon his name and be saved. Listen, redeem the time that you have. And believer, let me encourage you. If God has placed a burden on your heart, redeem the time. Pray about it. Pour your heart out before God. Let him do a work in your life. Make sure things are right. Call upon him. Pour out your heart. Weep over the burden that God has given you. But as we're going to see in Nehemiah's life, he didn't end it there. He put uh, a work. He actually put his foot to the task. And he was going to see something done about that burden. So let me, let me encourage you with this this morning. If God has placed a burden on your heart today, maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a place. Maybe whatever it is, God has said, listen, this is what I need you to do. This is what you need to do to redeem the time. Start praying about it today. Praise God. He is worthy of our praise. Call on to him. Pour out your heart before him and ask Ask Jesus, how can I, how can you use me to fulfill this task, to, to, to fulfill this burden that you've placed on my heart? Don't let it end with saying, God, I hope that you take care of that. Say, God, how can you use me to take care of that, just as Nehemiah is going to do with the rebuilding of this wall? Let's pray this morning. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful that you died on the cross and paid the price for our sins and that we could be saved. And I, Lord, I pray if there's one person watching that you'd use the message from your word and that they'd understand their need of salvation and that they would be saved, that they would call upon you and place their faith and trust in you and not themselves, and that they'd get saved. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with each believer who's watching. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to their hearts. Lord, help them to realize that wherever they are today, that they're here for a reason, that you have a purpose and plan for our lives. And Lord, we just need to trust in you. And Lord, I pray if there's a burden that is placed upon our heart, I pray that as believers, we would redeem the time, that we wouldn't sit around, that we wouldn't wait, that we wouldn't be discouraged by those who have failed before us, Lord, but that we would put our foot to the task and that we would look to you and that we would look, uh, ask you to work through us you can take that burden, Lord, and that you can use it for your glory and your honor and that we'd see the work fulfilled in our life. And Lord, I pray that you just be with us the rest of this morning, be with us the rest of the day. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us to focus on you continually in our life and that we'd always be redeeming the time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.